your bigger problem won't be to find a property. Your bigger problem will be that you just got duped out of four to seven thousand bucks, and um, and now have to start back from scratch, right? All right, let's get right to it. Episode seventy nine of KT Confidential, the real estate podcast. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Ariel Cremendi. He's Adrian Trot. Uh, today's topic is going to be rental scams. How are you today, by the way? I'm, I'm very good. What did you have for breakfast today? I had oatmeal. Just like oatmeal. Yeah, just something simple. I'm trying to eat healthier. I had a shake for lunch. Um, trying to cut out some carbs. Nothing. Nothing went in the oatmeal. Uh, well, I put a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of maple syrup, but not much. And and uh, milk. Right. Yeah. Gets me going. Keeps me hold, holds me over to lunch. Gives me the energy I need for the morning. Uh, I probably could have used a snack in between, but whatever. I managed. Now I've had my shake. See what I've good. learned. What I've learned now, especially being at home and having ample uh, groceries at home is snacking, 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 snacking. So this morning I had uh, two hard-boiled eggs with a couple pieces of cheddar cheese, just drizzled the eggs with a bit of olive oil, some salt and pepper, really basic. And then as a snack, mid-morning, well, mid-morning for me was 9 o'clock, 9.30. I had some blueberries with some walnuts and some pumpkin seeds. And then for lunch, I had a penny ala vodka, which was uh, left over from a couple of nights ago. And I think I'm on probably my sixth or seventh glass of water. So trying to stay really hydrated. I think, that's, uh, I think that's key. Not all days are this good, though. Like, uh, you know, you talk about trying to stay healthy and it's super hard in 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 this time, right? Like last night, I showed you the other day, I got my box from uh, the carnivore club. Yeah. Full of beautiful artisan salamis. And, and I mean, just absolute deliciousness. And as you know, I'm a big fan of charcuterie. So uh, the last two nights I've been making myself some charcuterie plates and uh, washing it down with a glass of wine. Uh, One of my favorite things. Yes, I think I would be, if it weren't for quarantine, I would probably join you. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, maybe I can throw a salami out the window for you. <laughs> that sounds or, uh, good. One of the pepperoni sticks. I'm, I'm really impressed, and uh, I don't know if you watched that video, but their packaging is phenomenal, and uh, they're really sourcing some, it seems like there's some good stuff. Uh, it was my first time uh, with that subscription, and uh, I find it difficult to source that kind of unique and and a little bit rarer um, charcuterie stuff, like the meats, right? Yeah. Um, well, so especially for, right now, like it's hard to you can't really order that right online. Yeah. So um, it's forty bucks plus tax and shipping, so it came to like fifty two bucks delivered, and it's more expensive because I didn't sign up on the subscription, but I was super impressed. So, uh, so I balanced the healthy to, you know, offset the not so healthy. Well, you have to treat yourself. One thing I learned is you have to treat yourself. So, uh, I find dieting never really works, but having just a healthy balance is important and you have to give in at times and, and, and have something. Otherwise you're going to, uh, binge and just stuff your face with something and, completely reverse everything you've accomplished by eating healthy. So that's why so many diets fail too. Right. And so many, yeah. Um, so many people they work they, and then you go on this program and you lose weight and then you get off and then you're done. Well, that's like isogenics. I love isogenics and the program and you, you shed some bad fat and you feel great, but afterwards you're so friggin' hungry. You just yeah. devouring things and your body wants to get back all these fats and you know store it and then you end up putting on more weight because your body's like oh i don't want to go through that shit again yeah and, i uh, did one of those five day it wasn't isogenics but it was actually maybe it was i don't remember it was a while ago but it was one of those five day uh shake 
cleanse things. And it was not enjoyable whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> after about three days, I was getting used to it. I wasn't as hungry, but it, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't look forward to the things I was eating. Um, so I, I find those things that are just terrible. And I, I, I need something where I look forward to it. So I don't want to talk too much about anything else except for rental scams today because there's been a lot of uh, a lot of publications um, lately and a lot of yes. discussions lately um, and on both sides of the equation, not just landlords uh, being um, duped, we'll say, uh, but also tenants uh, being duped. Um, so it, it goes both ways when it comes to um, rental properties right now. And I think there's a lot that the public needs to be aware of and has a lot of questions about. So, so maybe we can chat a little bit about those and our experiences and our best practices to, to help people be more aware and, and let people know what's going on. So, so for those of you that don't know what's, what's happening from, from a tenant perspective, there are a lot of fake ads and a, a lot of properties being offered online for rent that aren't actually owned by the people that are offering it. And uh, the ads themselves, um, while they're um, accurate in, in the sense that uh, there's somebody behind it, they aren't accurate in the sense that uh, you'll actually get to move into the place. You'll, you'll potentially be out of pocket thousands of dollars, lots of time, and, uh, and you get duped. And then from the landlord uh, perspective, there are a lot of professional tenants out there uh, right now. Uh, recently, there was um, a man who was convicted um, uh, James Regan is his name, and it's been widely published. Um, convicted of uh, fraud. Toronto's professional tenant, they refer to him as. Yep. Yeah, uh, most recently, trying to rent uh, property in Oakville, and uh, mm. uh, he's been living rent free for for years and years now because of uh, of the way that he knows how to manipulate the system. So I tell you, um, if I had a tenant like that, I don't care what the landlord tenant rules are. I'd be in there with a baseball bat. Yeah. Well, you know, I think for some people that uh, it has to go to extremes. I mean, that, that kind of extreme will end you up in jail, but um, you know, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of that going on. Like, let's be honest. There's, there's a lot of landlords that, are getting um, tenants into their properties that haven't been vetted properly and um, or or you know a professional tenant that knows how you're going to vet them and then has the loopholes around it to make you see smoke and mirrors and then they move in and you're disappointed that you're not getting uh, you're not getting paid and you can't do much to get them out and the process and and everything that goes on behind the scenes is um, well, the question with this guy is difficult. how I mean, how is he applying? Is he using fake ID because his name is everywhere for the last few years? How is someone foolish enough uh, not to Google his name and look him up because you will find uh, pages of articles written about him, and you know obviously that's not even a red flag. It's just a do not consider period um so it seems like a simple thing, although perhaps he's providing fake ID with fake names, um, which, you know, if you ask for enough supporting documents, it's hard to really make up a fake identity that's truly believable. Um, so it would be interesting to know. I'd have to read more into it to see how he managed to get to be considered and accepted as a new tenant. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about that process of how somebody could um, alleviate that issue uh, like what as a landlord if you if you haven't well obviously first of all the first uh, most effective way of mitigating potential loss uh, like that and 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 sourcing a good tenant would be to hire a good realtor because that's that's what they do for a living, but 
let's just say you're a landlord doing it on your own and even tips for realtors that are watching and that follow us. Um, well, here's, the, here's the problem uh, when we, we talk about real estate agents, just really quick, I don't want to get too off topic, but a lot of real estate agents won't, it's not that they don't understand how to do it. It's that they don't see the value in it because they don't get paid much. And oftentimes um, it, it costs us money uh, more than we're getting paid to complete uh, a lease when, especially when we're representing the landlord. Um, so a lot of people will just shortcut it because they don't really see that they're getting paid enough to put the extra effort into it and they yeah. won't perform the client interview. They won't do their due diligence and calling references or, you know, digging so here's into the thing. I mean, when, if, if, if you are hiring a realtor and you have a place to lease, you have, you should do your own due diligence on the realtor. Uh, to make sure that you're hiring the right person. And it's no different than selling a home, right? You get what you pay for um, and hiring the right person. Now, leases, you know, there's there, there's not much more than a one-month rent charge that, that most realtors will charge, right? I mean, maybe there's virtual staging or additional services, but really to... Uh, put the property up on the market for for rent. Uh, the our our standard is is one month rent. Um, so the variance in cost is not going to be that much, but the variance in service uh, potentially could be uh, significant. So um, oh, so let's break it down for people. Let's let's break down some of this process to help them um, not or hopefully not get a tenant that um, is a prof- professional, quote unquote, professional tenant, uh, one that's going to potentially screw them over. What, um, any tips and advice you got for, for people listening? Oh, it's funny because I had um, just yesterday, someone reached out to me, a referral from an existing client of ours uh, that we've uh, completed multiple transactions with. And this, person that was referred to us by them has a property that they wanted assistance uh, releasing out to a new tenant because their existing tenants moving at the end of the month. Uh, the current tenant hasn't paid rent in a couple of months, also uh, claiming it was due to uh, financial hardships caused by COVID-19 and, and everything that's going on. Uh, so you know they were hoping to get uh, some assistance because in the past, they did it by themselves. But now they don't want to go into the house. They don't want to deal with uh, putting themselves in the position of, of risk with regards to the virus. So she's trying to find a, um, a realtor to help her and put themselves at risk. Um, so, but now one thing she feels like she maybe didn't choose the best person and had she have done some more research, perhaps she wouldn't be in this position where this person isn't able to pay. I mean, these are extreme situations where you can't always predict someone's financial capabilities when all of a sudden the economy goes to shit and nobody's got a job. But um, there are things you can look for. And, you know, obviously you want to collect as much supporting uh, data and documents as you can. Uh, One red flag to look out for, someone's not willing to provide you with things. Don't even give them a second thought. Just move on, find the next person. Even if your place has been on, like, one thing I think people do often is they might get desperate. If the place has been on the market for three weeks, they're, you know, they're one or two months uh, carrying costs out of their pockets so far. They just want somebody in there. And maybe they shortcut the system and they don't do their due diligence to find the right person. Huge mistake. Yeah, they, get in, they get impatient. Absolutely. And I suspect that people like this guy, professional tenants, uh, they look for properties that have been on the market for a while because they know that these landlords, which are more often than not just people that probably took out a line of credit to buy the house and they're now carrying the house on that line of credit as well. And they know they're going to be desperate. So maybe I they... Don't di- I, I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, uh, properties could be on the market because the landlord are too picky. So, yeah, I've uh, had that too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah certainly. Um, yeah. But anyway, so documentation, uh, that's the first thing, obviously, collecting all the documents. So it could vary from one person to another, depending on their circumstances. I mean, if they're uh, paid traditionally as an employee, then obviously recent pay stubs and recent being the most recent pay period, um, you know, a pay, 
pay stub from a month ago doesn't tell you that they're actively getting paid and employed, uh, nor does a current pay stub. They could have just got fired yesterday, but it gives you a little bit more reassurance and uh, decreases the likelihood of that happening. Uh, so I, pay always, stubs, I, just, I always ask for an employment letter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with with the person uh, contact details of the person that wrote the letter, and yeah. I always uh, send an email uh, to that person thanking them for uh, providing it and just confirming that the employment status is still valid. Yeah, and I do that too. I, I always, always, always get a response. And that's that's the first and foremost, right? Like uh, if, if somebody has solid long-term employment um, and you've validated... Make sure it's a legit email though, because if it's hr at gmail.com, it may just be going straight to the tenant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. And, you know, if you're in an industry such as, as an example, if you're a plumber and you work for a small... Um, kind of mom and pop shop kind of plumbing business. Um, you might be working for somebody that only has two or three employees and does everything on, on his own or her own and has a Gmail account. Um, you got to be super cautious. And uh, the, the, the one thing that a landlord definitely should do is research everything. And Google and Facebook and, you know, social media can be your best friend when it comes to digging into the dirt, so to speak. Now, a professional tenant will already have that all set up. Like a lot of them do have separate Facebook profiles for the people that they're going to put as a reference and friends of theirs that, uh, you know, are are getting paid on the side to, to just say... Oh, yep, he's great or whatever. So, so you got to be super, super cautious, right? Like anything can be forged nowadays too. So yeah. uh, documents like pay stubs, you can easily put in uh, Adobe Acrobat and uh, uh, change a few numbers and a few digits and add a logo and, and you're good to go. So yeah. you got to be super, super cautious that way. Yep, absolutely. That makes a big difference. Now, if you're a tenant, so, so the big thing lately has been people going on to reliable sites, but sites where anybody can post products or services. So areas like Facebook Marketplace, uh, Kijiji, Craigslist. Hang on, are we done with the landlord stuff? Well, those were two two of the biggest tips. I mean, we can't give away well, one all big the one. One one big one. Sure, we can. One big one that I like to do, and I don't know how um, easy, if at all possible, would be for someone who's not um, on a real estate board. Uh, would be I look up the previous addresses, so you get their driver's license, and it would have one or two previous addresses on their credit report too. You look up those addresses, and you can. Um, on the real estate boards, pull up any previous transactions. So you can find if it was publicly listed for lease when they became the tenant, then you can see that listing. You can see who the listing agent was. You can see who the agent was who represented them at the time. And then you can call them more often than not. The realtor that con- that helped them at the time is not the same one that's helping them this time. Um, so you can reach out to these people as um references to perhaps the land the landlord's realtor at that time uh was involved throughout the process and kept in touch and knows whether or not they were in fact good tenants and i've had it happen before uh where they they uh vouched for them and they said that they were excellent tenants um and this is sometimes oh my goodness my phone's my phone's calling somebody's calling me can you hear me your phone's calling. My phone's calling. <laughs> I gotta put this. Oh, your phone. <laughs> gotta put this on. Oh, your phone. You're on a podcast. It, it kicks me out of the app. I thought maybe I lost you. I'm just gonna put it in airplane mode. Oh, there, there we go. Airplane. There we go. What are you new? Come on. Anyways, uh, so that's that's helped me a lot before. I've got some really good feedback on people, um, especially like there was one. 
tenant we found for one of our clients, and it was something that was very questionable. They had very, very low income. They were on financial support from the local municipality, uh, and the income wasn't that high. But um, we were able to connect with previous realtors that were involved, and they all spoke very, very highly of this person. And so far, she's turned out to be a phenomenal tenant. So now you may move on. Yeah, income... Income isn't uh, as important. I mean, as long as there's enough income to pay the bills, obviously. Yes. Um, but it's not a good indicator as to whether or not that person is going to be a good tenant. No, um, I know many people that make you know a shit ton of money, but they're not financially responsible. And I know people that make next to nothing, but they're very responsible and have far better credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, then, we didn't really talk about it from from the landlord vetting the uh, tenant perspective, is having a chat with that tenant and talking to them either virtually or... Why are you smirking? Nothing. Alicia's over here doing something, you, you, trying to make me laugh. Oh, <laughs> she flashing you? No, giving, no. Giving you the old... No, I, I would not be looking at the uh, screen if that were the case. Right. Um, <laughs> did you want me to flash you? Keep you, keep you interested? That will keep me uh, uh, looking at the screen, yes. So, having a conversation with that tenant, right? Like, I don't care if you do it by phone, virtually, in person, whatever... Uh, I think now more and more people will do it uh, electronically in some capacity. Um, but just having a chat, like if you have a, a Zoom chat or a FaceTime uh, with that person and, you know, verbally verifying some of the stuff that they've provided to you and just having a chat, like who's going to be moving into the house? Is it just you? Is, do you have uh, any children? How old are your children? What school are they going to attend? Um you know, uh, how long have you been at your job? What do you like about your job? Uh, you know, who do you report to? And and asking the questions to make sure that everything on their rental application is uh, coming out of their mouth nice, nice and fluidly. Because if somebody is telling the truth, uh, the answers um, will be um, immediate without, without hesitations, right? Yeah. If, if you've got somebody that stops and set and thinks about how long they've been at their job and gives you the wrong answer, uh, you might, you know, uh, think twice about double checking, um, and verifying facts. So, so having a conversation with that person and because even if that person is represented with a realtor, um, let's face it, you know, there are, Realtors representing tenants out there where the realtor hasn't done their proper job of or a job of really qualifying that person and getting to know them because, you know, we'll get a call and, and somebody will say, hi, I, uh, I was referred to you. Can't remember by who, but somebody, uh, a friend of mine told me that you guys do a great job and uh, I need to find a place to rent. And for, for a lot of real estate agents in North America, the answer is, okay, uh, let's, let's see what we can find you. And then they go out and see some properties. And once they find something they like, then the documents are collected. And so there's no real vetting process there. Uh, our team is a little bit different. We have a little different process where that's all done in advance and we get to know these people a little bit first, but that's not always the process, right? So, so even though they're being represented by a realtor, don't mistake the fact that you still need to do uh, a deep dive into um, uh, making sure that everything is, is kosher, so to speak. Yeah. I, well, I've had, it's funny because I, not too long ago, I wrote um, uh, for the KT property management blog, I wrote one with regards to very much similar to our conversation, things you can do to minimize your risk and increase the chances of finding a good tenant. And one of the steps was the in-person interview. I think that's, um, or the interview, I think that's a huge component of it uh, and something you should never skip. And in there, I specifically wrote that um, although times are changing and uh, virtual interviews will be more feasible and more likely considered in the future. But right now, uh, at that time, 
that in-person interviews are hard to beat because you can have, you know, a more accurate representation of them based on mannerisms and how they act in person and stuff like that. But I think now all all of a sudden that's changed. I don't think I'll ever do an in-person interview again. You know, no, I don't think I, I don't think I would either. And I'll tell you one benefit of not doing it in person is you can strategically set it up when they're at home and um, like right now, I can see that, you know, your your basement has some nice stuff. It's nice and clean with the exception of the uh, unpainted damage on the wall. Yeah, how do I, I'm um, trying to point to it right yeah. there. <laughs> um, right. Um, but especially if the people are on the phone or whatever, but even with the computer, you know, you're just turning your screen and you can, you can look at anywhere um, in the house to see the condition and how they, they keep their home. Well, I, right? I would go as far yeah. as asking them for a tour. If there was, right. you know, if there was any question, if they had a, a pet, and they wanted to sell me on us accepting them uh, with the dog or whatever, then I would say, right. take me on a tour. And I would do it like unexpectedly. I'd be like, okay, we're going to have a Zoom meeting in three hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, or, or you call them uh, to talk about the application and say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to Zoom you in uh, five, 10 minutes and, and let's continue this conversation virtually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's a, a real, real key now um, going forward. And, and that benefits both parties, right? Because as a tenant, you really want to have a good landlord, especially if they're not being represented by a KT property management type of company. Um, you really want to make sure that they are uh, somebody that's going to look after your needs as a tenant, right? Like what if something goes wrong in the house? Um, do you want somebody that you can't get a hold of, right? Do you, if uh, a pipe bursts in the home, or you know, in our rental property, the um, the fridge was leaking. You know, if you can't get a, a hold of somebody, you're potentially without a fridge for who knows. Maybe you have to call the repairman and get it done yourself, and then chase down the landlord. Uh, for that money or have to withhold it from your rent and then you're not paying your rent in full, which poses a whole other problem. Yeah. Um, so you gotta, you gotta make sure that you've got a good landlord. So this type of meeting is, is mutually beneficial. Well, I know of tenants where they were renting places that uh, they found afterwards were infested with mold and the landlords didn't no. care. In fact, the landlords likely knew and they wouldn't do anything about it. Because all they they didn't care about the person, they just cared about the income. So yeah, you you definitely need someone that uh, that actually cares about who's coming in uh, and wants to have that mutually beneficial and friendly relationship. Well, that's it. It's having a good mutual relationship. So, as an example, with our you know, and I'll use our property as an example uh, on Brassard, we have good tenants. Um, they've been in there since October. They're really looking after the place. They're treating it as their own. They love the home. They love the area. And, um, you know, they're, they're paying good money for rent. And um, without them asking, we took the initiative of giving them a discount on the rent last month and, and this month, or I guess this month and next month, um, because we wanted to help them out. And, you know, it's a time where we need the money and we certainly need to cover our expenses, but um, so do they. And they've been, it's more important for us to have tenants that are not going to create us thousands of dollars of damage in the home when they leave. And it might be more cost effective to, um, you know, reward people yeah. that are uh, treating the property well and, uh, uh, you know, with their, their lease is going to come due in October. So a few months from now, and I'm pretty confident they'll, they'll stick around and they'll, they'll treat the place, uh, well for, for a long period of time. So, so you have to have that mutual, uh, relationship. Yeah. I think and there's little things you can do like there. That's one of them, uh, given the circumstances, I think that was a great decision for us to do. And I'm sure it was well received and appreciated. Um, when they moved in, they both came from condos. So I left them with my lawnmower and grass trimmer. Um, so that was another little 
courtesy we did. Which you may have regretted. Yeah, now the last month. Yeah, so now <laughs> I have to go and buy new stuff because I stopped having it done. <laughs> but I'm excited about the new stuff. It's all ready to go. Um, uh, so you know that not only is that a you know just as a, uh, a little favor or whatever little gift I suppose, but it encourages them to take care of the lawn, which is in our best interest because we want to make sure the grass is well maintained. Um, yep. So there's a lot of things you can do. Oh, and when they moved in, we gave them a nice introductory uh, package. Yeah, nice, uh, nice welcome home gift. Yeah. We also left a barbecue there for them uh, to use. So, so little touches like that go a long way, and people appreciate it, and um, uh, it doesn't go unnoticed. No, right? Especially when you know when when people move out of homes, you want them to move out in a courteous fashion uh, as well, uh, whether it's wall damage or uh, cleanliness or just taking their crap with them. Um, or, you know, not taking things that they shouldn't be taking, um, stuff like that. So, so that goes a long way now. Okay. Let's talk about tenants getting duped. Yeah. Um, so what's been happening on Kijiji, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace. Those are the predominant areas are, uh, scammers are taking existing real estate listings that are for sale. And turning them into lease posts in on those uh, forums on 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 those um, classified areas, um, and they're even meeting people in front of the house, uh, and they're saying things like, "Well, the house is currently tenanted, so we can't go in, but here's the house if you want it. Uh, you know, here are the pictures of the inside of the house." Um, and uh, they're taking deposits and giving move-in dates. And when people show up to move in, sorry, uh, it's... Can you imagine that? Not, only, not, not only have you now lost two months of rent, which could be easily 4000 to $7,000, um, you've also now got nowhere to live, right? Like you've given yeah. your notice at the and, previous and, and now you're back And now you're back at square one? Yeah. I mean, you're in a hotel you're now. Trying, yeah, it, it uh, financially would probably be devastating for most people yeah. because imagine now you have to pay four months' rent uh, up front. Um, not a lot of people have that uh, as savings, and and uh, you know when you're renting, oftentimes um, you're you're budgeting on a month to month basis. And um, especially if you've got a young family or you're single, and it could be any circumstance. Nobody wants to be out of pocket four months of rent uh, right up front, especially if you're not getting anything for it. Exactly. Um, so, so that to me is one of the biggest advantages of hiring a realtor. And I don't want to talk too much about that because, you know, I'm not trying to sell service here, but um, when you hire a realtor, uh, they'll have the back end systems to double check who's the owner and, um, you know, do the proper vetting, uh, that way as well. Um, your deposits for first and last month rent, if the property is represented by a brokerage as well, uh, ends up going into a trust account, um, where it's, managed properly and governed accordingly so it's not just handing cash off to some dude that pockets it and says okay i'll see you here on the first with the keys yeah. right well i've had people call me saying that um they were trying to get a place to rent and this person who claimed to be a realtor which may or may not be true um was insisting that in order for them to consider their application they had to include with the application the deposit check and they swore up and down it was a real estate agent and I looked them up and they appeared to be, but it just seemed like the most strange thing ever. And I would definitely encourage anybody never give anyone a penny until all the paperwork has been signed. Yeah. I mean, there might be circumstances if there is a property listed on MLS and it's, um, it's a super rare or super nice place and it's priced really well and it's hard to find. 
that if it goes into a multiple offer situation, which does happen yeah. often on leases, uh, that you might want to in, uh, come up with the deposit ahead of time or with the offer. So it's a it's an offer that has a deposit upon um, uh, uh, or uh, herewith as a, as opposed to upon acceptance. Um, but in that case, the, the bank draft or the uh, certified check is going to be made payable to the brokerage. That's right. Uh, so at least there is a, uh, a fail-safe there, yeah. right? You're not making it out to Adrian Trot. You're making it out to Century 21 Miller. Yeah. Well, that's the other area where uh, the story didn't really, really align and left out, which is important, is it wasn't made out to a brokerage. I don't remember who it was being made out to, but it was not being made out to a brokerage. Yeah, it's not that hard to find a rental property, okay? I mean, yes, supply is low and it can be difficult at, throughout different times of the year. Uh, but you should never feel like you have to jump on something when it's not totally in check, right? Like if something seems too good to be true or if something seems a little fishy... Just walk away from it. Like, don't even don't even go there because you're running into you're going to run into problems. So your your bigger problem won't be to find a property. Your bigger problem will be that you just got duped out of four to seven thousand bucks, and um, and now have to start back from scratch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the other thing as a, as a tenant that you can do is, uh, or that you'll want to do, no matter who, um, if, it, if it's the landlord representing themselves or if the landlord, landlord is represented by a uh, brokerage, um, you want to do your own due diligence on the landlord too. So Google that person and that person's email address or phone number, go on to Facebook and LinkedIn, check out what that person does and, and, and have a conversation with them, that virtual uh, conversation. So you can ask them questions too, like, okay, so if something goes wrong with this house, do I call you directly? Um, you know, am I calling your cell phone? Where do you live? How accessible are you going to be if there's an, is a problem? Um, you know, how willing are you to allow me to make changes in the home if I want to paint or if I want to hang my artwork? Um, if I want to plant tomatoes in the backyard, is that okay? You know, ask questions um, and um, make sure that you're not getting any surprises. Yeah. Well, it's a risky business. There's a lot at stake financially, uh, emotionally, uh, you know, but there's a lot of very easy steps you can take to minimize your risk on both ends. So it's just a matter of slowing down, familiarizing yourself with the process, understanding um, what the process is and what you can do to protect yourself and acting on it. And don't be naive. Yeah. That's, that's the big, uh, that's the big thing for both parties, for landlords and tenants. Don't be naive. There are uh, people that will be looking to scam you. And there's a lot of it happening and you need to be aware, you need to be educated, you need to protect yourself. And so that's, that's the message for, for this episode is uh, don't, don't be naive. Don't, don't think that everybody's so nice out there. Yeah. Agreed. So that's it for today, my friend. Uh, what uh, get a little bit off topic from, from business. Uh, How's, uh, how's life treating you? We're now in nine weeks. We are into week nine. I'm going a bit, of I'm going a bit crazy. I, I got to tell you, yeah. I, uh, especially with the warmer weather coming, it's going to be uh, weird not going out, sitting on a patio, having a drink. Um, I mean, I'll be able to get yeah. out of my motorcycle, which is nice. I can isolate on my bike. Um, but yeah, it'll be tough. I mean, we'll probably spend a lot of time in the backyard, I suppose. But imagine people in condos, especially condos with no balconies, like, and they're going to go stir crazy. Well, even if you have balconies, you know, how far is the distance? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And, and even in the backyard, right? Like you could potentially be two feet away from there's, somebody. Well, that, in our backyards, I think there's maybe a 
four foot radius in the center that we can stay within. <laughs> yeah. Maintain, yeah. Well, it's true. To I maintain mean, that distance. I mean, my, my backyard is surrounded by, uh, well, you, you posted something on Insta the other day. Uh, we have, uh, trees and, and, um, cedars all around. So, um, I've got about a three foot buffer, uh, uh to the fence, but you know, I don't know if one of the neighbors are up against their fence, right? Like the other day, the other side of us, uh, um, they were outside playing and whatever. And, and their little boy was actually coming up to the, to the fence and, and knocking on the fence. And then, you know, Natalie had to pull, pull away from the fence a little bit because we still want to maintain uh, that social distancing, right? So yeah. you got to even be careful in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. But what I think is going to happen is that people are going to get super antsy with the nice warm weather and, and just start freewheeling, like going out. and Even if you go for a walk, okay? If you, if you go for a walk, you're going to pass people on the sidewalk. Yeah. So if you pass somebody on the sidewalk and they just sneezed three, three steps behind you or three steps in front of you, you got a chance of, of catching whatever they, they have, if they have something, right? Like it's mitigating that, that, that um, exposure. And uh, so I think that might be a problem, but um, I don't know. And, three weeks from now, it sounds like things are going to start being, uh, loosened up a little bit. And, uh, well, they're starting, they're starting calls. tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Yeah. yeah Thursday they're announcing uh, what, phase what we, one. Yeah. So, you know, phase one, phase two, I think is June 2nd or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, I'm, I'm certainly, looking forward to getting out of my basement office. I think I uh, mentioned it a couple of days ago to you. I have no natural light in here really. I mean, that one small window isn't providing anything. And, and I stay in this confines of this 10 by, I don't even know if it's 10 feet wide, maybe nine by eight room, right? Like it's a small little, small little room in the basement and um, it's lonely. Yeah. And, uh, I don't have, a, the rest I don't of have the a formal office in this. I, I decided in this basement not to do that. So we've got a bedroom for guests because we have out-of-town family visit regularly, normally. Uh, and then I've got the rest of this all open. So I don't feel so confined. I don't mind it that much. I've got a uh, bathroom right here. If I need to jump up, take a pee, I can do that quickly. And then <laughs> behind me here, I'll crank some tunes on my nice stereo. And I don't mind it down here. No, not zero natural light. I built it that way because it's nice and dark in here for movies. But um, whatever. I'm a bit of a homebody, so I, I've done quite well. I enjoy spending time at home, but it, I'm getting antsy. And the warmer weather will amplify that. So that's. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, you think about uh, going out for ice cream with the kids, right? Yeah. Like. Well, going to the park and playing around in the splash pad yeah. and, and things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, the first few weeks like you, I, I love being at home and I've enjoyed, uh, you know, being around the kids a little bit more and, um, we've had enough, just not having had enough. <laughs> well, you know, n- not having to drive anywhere for the first few weeks was nice. Yeah. But I am so ready to get out into the car and go on an appointment, take clients out to see some properties and things like that. But I don't want to rush it because you don't spend nine weeks in uh, isolation and then just go throw it all out the window because you get fed up. So uh, my message to everybody is still stay home and uh status quo until um until it's really safe don't don't risk anything at this point yeah um are you cooking uh dinner these days or is uh is your wife still making dinner most nights 50 50 50 yeah uh maybe 60 40 i'm 40 I've been doing less cooking. <laughs> um, I mean, when I cook, I, I mean, I like to, uh, I probably like if, if I were to say, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to cook. I feel like cooking something. I usually have to go to the store to get some sort of ingredient for it. 
so right now, like for me, cooking is not as much fun because I'm in most cases, I don't have everything I need to make what I want. So having more relatively basic meals, um, cause I can't just pop out to grab some rosemary, you know, I've got, you know, the dry stuff, but not quite the same. You know, I think that's big part of the planning. Like I'm, I'm the opposite. So for Mother's Day, uh, Natalie wanted my uh, penny ale vodka, yeah. and I decided I'm going to make it from bare bones scratch, like to the point where I uh, I blanched my own tomatoes and crushed them by hand and cooked down the sauce for hours and made a an Alfredo and made a vodka sauce and did the whole thing step by step, and it took me hours upon hours to to do it all. And uh, so I knew I was making that dish and I made sure I ordered all the things I needed in advance. And I think Instacart has been great for that. Um, I signed up to their uh, free delivery, whatever they call Instacart Express plan for, I think, 10 bucks a month. And uh, they often have same day deliveries. So if I'm preparing in the morning and I go, oh, shit, I don't have any rosemary... Uh, I'll throw that onto Instacart with a few other groceries that I know need topping up, like maybe milk and eggs and something else. And, and, you know, they deliver it. So, um, I think there's ways around that if you really feel motivated to do it. True. Now, Um, now you have removed all obstacles and excuses. So there are no excuses, (laughs) my friend, no excuses. Although I did get jealous because I think for mother's day, you grilled up some nice steaks. Oh, they were delicious. Yeah. I got them from uh, Woodward meats in um, Oakville. Um, I think generally they, they typically only sell to uh, restaurants and uh, commercial uh, businesses, but given the circumstances, they've opened up to the public. So they have some great product. There were uh, a handful of things, and the steaks were great. There was a, I just started with the cheaper steaks they had, which were AAA fillets. Um, well, from in the fillet line, they had two or three options, and uh, they were great. Eight, I got eight eight ounce steaks for a hundred and fifteen dollars or something, hundred twenty five bucks. Worked out to be like fifteen dollars a steak. And they are big. I swear they're more than eight ounces. They are big steaks. Really good, though. Super tender. Yeah. If you were buying that in a supermarket, you'd probably pay at least that. Yeah, so. I suspect so. And not, and not the same quality. Exactly. So I think it was worth it. But what I was jealous of is your barbecue. Oh, I love my barbecue. Because I, I can hear the sear <laughs> and and the smell. And, and yeah. my barbecue now, uh, may it slowly rest in peace is 14 years old, 15 years old. Got your money's worth. It's a Napoleon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Napoleon. I had it uh, fully serviced once, but... I remember that. The guy came to the house in like a fucking hazmat suit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. And and took it all apart and and, uh, uh, had his uh, rotary tools out to take off any rust and any grime and all that. And it looked like brand new. Yeah. Uh, but that was now, I don't know, four, about five years ago. Um, and now, I mean, being a 14 year old, uh, barbecue, it's, it's done. It's, it's served me well and it's time to upgrade. So I've been looking aggressively now, um, at buying a new barbecue. I kind of want charcoal. I, I, I would and, have charcoal, but I, but I think you got to have yeah, both. That's exactly. I it. think you got to have both. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, my good friend, Steve Foliato and, and, uh, he's actually got three, he's got a propane barbecue. He's got a Blackstone flat grill, and then he's got his Traeger smoker. And so he can really do all kinds of different cooking. I think smokers but, are gaining <laughs> a lot more popularity right now. Oh man, I've wanted a big green egg for the longest time, and that's um, a definite consideration for me. But the large size, which we'll need as a family of four that eats a lot, uh, is two thousand bucks. Oh my goodness! Yeah, um, and that's not including really any accessories other than the um, little. Uh, um, uh, uh, they're like little shelves on the side, so you can put your your food on and whatnot, um, two grand plus tax plus delivery, yeah. uh, plus 
like right now I would pay somebody to deliver and um, put it together and all that and just drop it off in the backyard kind of thing. So you're talking 2,500 bucks. Um, Holy crap. Right. And then you still don't have a propane uh, tank or a a propane grill, uh, which you need because anything charcoal related, you need time. And sometimes you don't have time. Now I got lots of time. I can sit out in my backyard, take my laptop out there, sit out there for a couple of hours with a piece of pork and, and we're good. But, um, you know, a couple of months from now when I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off uh, and I got to run home and throw a couple of things on the barbecue and have a quick dinner, you need a propane grill. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm jealous of your Weber. I wish I would have bought it uh, a couple of years ago, but um, hey, we got a nice one at the cottage. So if uh, if we're still in uh, lockdown up there uh, uh, or still we're if we're still in lockdown, blah, um, I'll be doing these podcasts with you from my Muskoka room. Okay? The Wi-Fi is good up there. The Wi-Fi is actually better at the cottage. For, I think because there's less encumbrances yeah. and less uh, like there's, there's not much to the cottage too. So there's less interference. Um, so it's actually pretty good. It's better there than it is on the second floor of my house here. <laughs> story of everyone's life anyway. thanks for listening yeah. that was episode 79, episode 79. Listen, if you got this far in the podcast do us a big favor if you're on youtube click the like button it helps with google's fancy algorithms gives us some more exposure really give us a thumbs up really appreciate it hit the thumbs up thanks for listening episode 79 kt confidential stay tuned subscribe and you'll hear uh, a week from now next monday another episode and we're going to have a guest, and I'm going to keep it a secret. From me? Maybe. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Have a great day. See you later. Bye.